Good morning and welcome to God's Resistance. We resist sin, self, the devil, and the world. So we do that first in ourselves. We're resisting sin in ourselves. We've got to be saved. We're resisting sin around us. We're resisting self, which is the problem uh, behind all things. If we're selfish and we're not having Jesus as Lord, we're going to have a load of problems. And then in addition to that, we're resisting the devil because the devil is pounding on all of us, trying to get us to work under the kingdom of darkness instead of the kingdom of light, and then the world around us and its values. That's what we're about. And so I'm calling anyone who's listening to also be a part of God's resistance to join his cause. And this morning, I want to talk about... uh, something Jesus said in Luke 9.62. Jesus said, No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Let me read that again. No man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So here, we have something that we have to consider, right? Jesus is giving a very stern word to people. Oftentimes, people have this false idea of who Jesus is, that Jesus is just uh, some kind of fluffy teddy bear personality. He, He doesn't really say things that hurt people's feelings. He's always out to try and make people feel better. The problem is, is that that is not the Jesus of the Bible. Now, Jesus is not trying to just go out and make people feel terrible, but at the same time, He's not necessarily after, as our as his first aim, our happiness. But what he is after is our holiness. He wants to make us like himself. And there is a load of trouble inside of us that he has to get through and to deal with in order to make us like himself. But you see, God can't do that solely by himself. He can persuade us. He can talk to us. He can convict us through his word. We can read books. We can hear radio programs. We can watch YouTube videos. There's there's so many different ways. Here, a preacher, there's so many different ways that you and I uh, are going to be able to hear God's will for our lives, the truth of God. And God is trying to get after every one of our souls through all these different means. And so when Jesus speaks, he may give very stern words because he has to cut into where we're living. Jesus sees the condition of our hearts. Oftentimes, we don't like to see the condition of our heart. You know, we get some kind of a glimpse as to what God thinks of us or what he sees when he looks in us, and we don't like it, and we say, surely not. This must just be something in my mind. This is not exactly what God thinks about me. This must be the devil because I feel bad. However, Jesus levels the truth towards every one of us so that the conviction of God through the Holy Spirit, will be upon our hearts that we are, in fact, a rebel against him, that we have sinned against him, and that there's something that needs to take place. So Jesus used those stern words because he's trying to separate the wheat from the chaff inside of our own individual hearts, but he's trying to separate the wheat from the chaff everywhere. He's trying to make a clear dividing line so that we can see which way is God's way and which way is not God's way, and then walk in the light of what he shows us. So Jesus says, amongst many other stern words, these which I just read, no man 
having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So first, we need to understand this. There is nobody, no class, no religious persuasion, no denomination, no doctrinal persuasion, there, no rich, no poor, doesn't matter, social status, nobody is outside of what he has said here, that no man, having put his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. So first of all, we establish that God is talking about everyone, everyone. There's nobody that this does not apply to. So he says, no man having put his hand to the plow. So he's speaking about somebody that already did put their hands on the plow and started moving. And he's saying, nobody that having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Now, I don't know about you listeners. Probably most of us have never used like an old plow like Jesus would have been referencing. And it would be kind of in the shape of a wishbone. And then the bottom of it would be one single sharp track that's buried in the ground. There would be an oxen, generally speaking, that would be in front. And this plow would be tethered to the oxen. And you as the person would be holding on to these two handles behind, trying to drive that plow into the ground, steer it and make furrows and break the ground up so that you could plant. Now, Jesus was saying, you can't put your hands on the plow and expect to do a good job by then turning backwards and looking behind you while you're plowing. I remember a couple illustrations, a couple thoughts that come to my mind. I can't remember how old I was, but my uncle had a motorboat and he would often come camping with us as a family. And I loved that. We'd go out on a reservoir, we'd drive around and I'd say, hey, can I drive this boat? And my uncle was a little concerned at first, but I kept pressing. I wanted to drive that boat. I kept saying, hey, let me drive this boat. And so he ultimately let me. And he said, you see that little light that's on the bow? It's right in the center in the bow. Take that light and fix it to, and he described some tree way off in the distance, like, or, or some point on the shore way off in the distance. And then he would tell me when I needed to correct course after we had gone so long. He said, you keep looking there and you only steer the steering wheel of the boat in order to correct where that, that bow, the light on there, is pointing. When you correct that, you will be heading straight towards the direction I want you to. Now, my uncle, no doubt, would have taken that steering wheel, uh, pushed me off the seat or whatever, had I been recklessly steering the steering wheel or had I been looking behind me and not paying attention. I remember also after I got my, I think it was my permit, you had to go and get a test. My dad drove me to the uh, Department of Motor Vehicles, got my my permit, and I'm saying, hey, dad, can I drive home? And we lived about 25 to 30 minutes away from where I had to go. And my dad says, sure. So we're driving down the road. And I'm thinking, this is awesome. Now I can drive. And I mean, at that point, I could only drive with an adult in the car, but I mean, it was awesome. So I'm driving and I looked off to my left and I'm looking out the window. I'm like, hey, dad, check this out. My dad said, Eric, don't look off to the left. He said, where are you looking? That's where you're going to go. Keep your eyes on the road. And I was like, dad, I didn't swerve. He goes, Eric, if you keep looking in that direction, that's where the car is going to go. It's the same with you. If you're driving a car down the street and you're not paying attention to where you're going, but you're looking completely behind you, you're liable to crash into some kind of a building. 
you're liable to you know, run over a fire hydrant, run over human beings and kill them. You're going to cause damage to yourself. You're going to cause damage everywhere else. You can't be a very good driver if you're not going to look ahead of you. How is it then that we can understand these truths as it relates to normal life, but then as it relates to Christianity, when it relates to us walking with God, somehow we flip this completely over and we think that, that God is somehow different than these very common sense things. I'll have you know that Jesus, he used these very commonplace illustrations for a reason. Because we can find the glory of God and the teachings of God throughout all creation and throughout everyday life. They're all preaching a message to us about the God who exists, who sits on the throne, and preaching to us a message on how we are to walk the way that we are supposed to go if our ears are open, that is our spiritual ears. And so Jesus used all these illustrations because it was right where, where people were living. He was trying to get people to understand these truths. So what happens? He says, no man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Some people may try and make that mean anything other than what it seems to mean. And I'm here to just try and enforce what is simply declared by Jesus. We find if we look in the Old Testament, there was Abraham and Lot, and they were leaving the land uh, that they came from, which was a very wealthy land. And God said, I want you to go into another land that you don't know anything about. And so by faith, they left and went to this other land. And in going to this other land, which they hadn't yet figured out, they started to grow in number. And it says that the um, herds that each one of them had, Lot, the nephew, Abraham, the uncle, it got so big that the herdsmen were arguing with one another because there wasn't enough food for the animals to eat if they were going to be so close together. This came to Abraham's notice. And what Abraham said was, okay, Lot, you look down in this valley and you look up on this mountain. So down in the valley, you can choose that if you want to and go there with your herd, or you can choose up on the hill. Whatever you choose, I'll take the opposite. It's your choice. So Lot, and he maybe he didn't make the greatest of decisions, a great spiritual decision, but he did look down and see down in that valley, that looks lush and green. I think I'm going to choose that place. And so Abraham said, okay, that's yours. What's going to happen now is I'm going to uh, stay up here on the hills and move forward. The problem was Lot ended up being inside of a very wicked city where they practice sodomy that homosexuality and lifestyle and bestiality and all sorts of wicked things were being practiced in that city. And Lot, it says, was a righteous man and his soul was vexed, Peter tells us. Righteous Lot's soul was vexed being there in the middle of Sodom. And in all of that, Abraham is told after a while that God's judgment is going to fly down upon that city of Sodom and destroy it. And so an angel then goes down into um, Sodom and then tries to get a hold of Lot and his family to leave. And the angel tells them, and then it's supposed to be that uh, the daughters of Lot were going to go tell their husbands, hey, we got to get out of here, going to destroy. The husbands made fun and said, this is ridiculous. Your old man's a fool, all that kind of stuff. So the angels forcibly took Lot, his wife, and his daughters out, left the daughter's husbands behind because they were mocking and they didn't think that there was any concern. 
when they they forcibly take them out, fire and brimstone is raining down from heaven upon this city for its wickedness. Now, some people may say this sounds like a crazy myth. You can look it up on YouTube. You can look up archaeological finds. You could even, if you had the money, you could go over to the land where Sodom and Gomorrah used to be, and you will find that that land is filled with sulfur and those kind of things there, which only attests to this very account actually have taken place, that fire was raining down from heaven, burning things of sulfur, which is brimstone, coming down upon this place and burning it up. Now, these angels succeeded in being able to physically take these people out, but if there wasn't something in the heart, they couldn't then take that out of the heart. So we find from that account that Lot's wife longingly turns and looks back to Sodom and says she was turned into a pillar of salt. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. So in the ways of salvation, this is the lesson that Jesus is trying to teach. And he says it in many other places in different ways. If you're going to walk with God, count the cost. If you're going to set your hands on the gospel plow, on the kingdom plow to walk with God and to make it to heaven, then you're going to have to count the cost, cut ties with that previous life, not look back longingly. All my sins and wickedness that I used to walk in, I'm all done with that. I'm walking with Jesus. Now, can you do that in your own strength and power? No, but through the moment of repentance and faith and surrender in God, he will then do that in you and make you a new creature. Now you have to keep walking with him, your eyes looking to him, obediently moving with the spirit of God according to his word. I'm gonna walk with him. Jesus is warning and saying that anyone who starts off like this and turns back is not fit for the kingdom of heaven. He talked about people that were like, their hearts were like the, the rocky soil where seed goes in, the plant springs up very quickly. It's all excitement and joy. Then troubles and tribulations come and it says they left. They didn't want to do this. I didn't buy in for this. I thought that it was going to be healthy, wealthy, and wise, and prosperity was going to come to me when I add Jesus to my life. Jesus is helping us understand Jesus is not an addition to our life. He's either Lord of our life or we reject him. And that is the principle he's trying to bring to our attention. No man having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom. You will not make it to heaven, dear listener, if you do not cut ties, burn the bridges, and make Jesus Lord over every aspect of your life. You can forfeit the covenant with God. You can turn your back on him. Call 570-362-7782. Give me a call. I'd love to talk with you. Talk with me on social media. Talk with me on, on YouTube in the comments uh, section below so that we can have a dialogue about this. But above all, join the resistance, God's resistance.